ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of The Essential 11, brought to you by Acton Academy and Acton Academy Placer. Uh, today's guest, man, what a story this dude has. Uh, his name is Ian Smith. Uh, and in the last several weeks, really a couple months, his business has been shut down. Uh, and he and his business partner uh, have actually been arrested for keeping it open. They're now facing uh, a continuous $15,000 a day fine uh, for operating their their completely legitimate and their licensed gym in New Jersey. Uh, and he's been uh, all over like Tucker Carlson, uh, Chris Cuomo, Charlie Kirk show for, you know, what he's doing to essentially defy kind of these local business restrictions and refusing to close his gym. He's not violating any laws, um, but he's violating the recommendations and, and it's not sitting well with the powers that be. So yeah, I think you'll find the story extremely interesting. Uh, so please welcome Mr. Ian Smith. We got some crazy noise in the background here with a bunch of, a uh, bunch of kiddos too, but I hope we pick up some gym noise because we are uh we're with mr ian smith who uh, is my currently one of my favorite i won't say my favorite gym owner because my buddies with mark bell too and i'm gonna go i'm gonna give you guys a tie uh, so one of my, it, one of, even in that category i'm gonna take that as a compliment it's pretty solid man absolutely <laughs> dude uh ian brother this is exciting dude even just the five minute chat that we had before we jumped on here dude i'm fired up with all the stuff we're talking about man so thank absolutely. you for taking the time brother thank you for having me yeah man pleasure i was watching uh I was watching with my boy. I got three kiddos, got a nine and seven year old girl. And I got a little, a savage little gentleman that's coming up on five. And I was showing him some pieces of uh, 300 the other day. And it was on and there was a part on there, dude. And I couldn't help but think of you, but it's that part at the very beginning where Leonidas is like submission. No, that's going to be a bit of a problem, (laughs) you know, and I've only, and from day one, dude, seeing that, I'm just like, well, that speaks directly to my soul. And, uh, so when Mark, you know, when Mark Bell told me about your story, dude, I'm like, he's the one that kind of introduced me. He's like, dude, you know what's going on with this guy in New Jersey? And I started jumping on and dude, so I want to jump into that a little bit. If, if people don't know, but I want to, we can start as far back as you want, man. We can do kind of the X-Men origin story of just who you were and and growing up and, and uh, go from there. Um, so, you know, I, uh, I got into the fitness industry as a result of, um, some pretty traumatic things that happened to me when I was younger, uh, things that were my own fault. When I was, uh, I was, I was, I was a, a, a pistol of a kid, uh, raised by a single mother, um, just no direction, um, poor value system. I, I was putting value on the wrong things. Um, I was smart, but I didn't need to study. So I, w- I was a bit of an asshole. Yep. Um, very, very arrogant young man. Uh, thought that nothing bad could ever happen to him and that I knew better than everything and everyone around me. Um, and one day when I was 20 years old, uh, I caused a motor vehicle accident that took the life of another young man. Uh, that sent me to prison for six years. Uh, and fitness was what saved my life, mm. all in all. Um, for a lot of reasons, you know, there was the, the accident was pretty bad. And, and, um, for some reason or another, I walked away and I, if, if you look at the wreckage, I shouldn't have. Yeah. Um, and I never really appreciated, um, just being alive, being, being, being in the human body, being able to do things. I never played sports, anything like that growing up. So I, uh, I felt like I had a second chance. That's where I got into fitness. Mm. Uh, and that continued through prison. You know, prison, prison is a nasty place. Uh, it's hyper-violent. It's hyper-masculine. Um, it's hyper-aggressive just in general. Very stressful. Um, and it's just, it's not, a, it's not a fun place to be. Mm-hmm. And um, in going to prison, they, they strip you of pretty much everything that you are and everything that you can do. You know, you're given a number. You don't have a name. You're given a uniform. Uh, you're told when you can do everything and anything, what you can do, what you can't do, what you can have, what you can't have, who you can talk to, who you cannot talk to, when you can talk to them. Um, and it's just a very chaotic place. And um, two things happen when you go in. Um, like the majority of the people, you come out worse um, and you're sort of consumed by the flames in there. Uh, mm. Or you're like the minority of the people who come out better. Mm. Um, who used that time wisely. So fitness was an anchor for me and it allowed me to latch onto something very tangible. That was my own, no matter what was going on any day, whether it was raids, riots, you know, lockdowns, whatever, when I was in solitary, it didn't matter where I could get down on the ground and I could work. I could do something. 
Um, and I could do something that was mine that nobody could take from me. And it was, it was something that I could latch onto. I was a skinny kid. You know, I was uh, six foot, 165 pounds, maybe. Wow. Um, so it was something that I could build. Um, and it, it, it helped me get through. So when I got out, everybody told me to get a real job, um, blah, blah, blah. And I, uh, I went off and I was a trainer. I worked uh, pretty, pretty much every corporate gym you can think of. I worked as a trainer. I worked as a salesperson. I worked as a manager. I worked the front desk. Uh, and I got fired from every single job. Uh, minus one, excuse me, minus one. I left on good terms one time. I just, I was never a good employee because um, I always thought I could do something better. And I, I had a, a bigger um, picture than what I was involved in. And I, I was uncomfortable in that situation. And I didn't perform the way I should. So eventually, um, I went independent and I, uh, I built a business out in Arizona for a little while. It was a good business. Unfortunately, I went through a pretty nasty divorce and I, uh, I turned tail and ran back to New Jersey, about $150,000 in debt. Mm. Um, went home as a 30 year old man to live with mom, uh, and sort of licked my wounds. Mm. And, um, here in New Jersey is where I grew up. So I kind of had a pre-existing network and I, I went right to work, um, I was tired of feeling sorry for myself at the time, and I just got into it. Um, my business exploded kind of overnight. I, um, I bought some dumbbells, like some TJ Maxx, you know, vinyl-covered dumbbells, yeah, a sledgehammer, a tire, a yoga mat, some ropes, some boxing gloves and pads, and I would train anybody anywhere. Um, I would drive all the way up to North Jersey. I would drive to Pennsylvania. I would drive to Delaware. I would drive to the Jersey Shore. Anybody who wanted to train, I would go. Uh, and very quickly I filled up and then eventually I needed a home base because I had gotten so big and that's where I met my business partner, Frank. Frank's uh, about 15 years older than me mm. and has been in the community as an owner of rock bottom nutrition here in New Jersey for 25 years, had a great reputation and somebody said he's got some extra space. So, uh, we walk, I walked in one day and, uh, it ended with a handshake deal and he handed me a key to his store. Um, and he just said, uh, he said, don't screw me over. This is how I make my living. There you go. Um, and ever since then we, we worked side by side for a couple of years. We wound up buying the gym about a year and a half ago. Uh, nice. and that's where the, the story starts. We were eight yeah. months in to, uh, to owning a business that we had oh. built by ourselves, by our own hands. Um, we never took a penny from the business from day one. Uh, we worked seven days a week, no less than 10 to 12, sometimes 14, 16 hours a day. Um, everything we did it all and, uh, coronavirus came. Yeah. So, and we put all our eggs into this basket. We put all our eggs into this yeah. basket, especially, and, especially dude, and you're eight months in and I'm eight months. In, I didn't yeah. realize, I did um, not, I didn't realize that. that. Yep. Um, you know, and we, we, we put everything on the line. We, we knew that we could build the best gym in the area. Um, so we gambled on ourselves heavily. You know, we put, we put everything, especially Frank, Frank's in his fifties. You know, Frank's got five kids and a wife. Um, so the risk, the risk that he took is even greater than the risk that I took um, at 33 years old when I did. Yeah. So shutdown came March 16th. And um, we, we weren't happy about it. But at the time, it seemed as if our country was asking us to do something. And I'm, I'm a firm believer in the American value system that, you know, that, that you, you sacrifice for your country, that, mm -hmm. that freedom is not free. Uh, and that sometimes you have to do difficult things. So we, uh, we shut down and immediately we smelled smoke, uh, and we saw red flags. The politicians did what the politicians do best and they bickered and they argued amongst each other and they infused what should have been a very simple process with their own selfish sort of whims. Um, and, uh, when they passed that stimulus bill, we knew what was happening. Uh, they passed 11, day, 11 days into the shutdown. They passed a 2.4 or whatever trillion dollar economic stimulus bill, uh, unprecedented levels of government bailout. And the thing that stuck out for us was that 16 weeks, they were going to pay people $600 a day to stay, or excuse me, $600 a week, more than that, what they were making um, to stay home. And, and that raised a major red flag for us. And, and Frank... Frank is definitely the brains of, of our operation. And unfortunately he has been right every step of the way. Um, he looked at me that day and he said, they're not going to open the gyms until fall. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we started to think and we started to plot. Um, so we put together a safety protocol program. We're not, we're not people to sit around. 
Um, you know, just cause we're not making money doesn't mean we're not working. Yeah. Um, so we were already in here working. We knew the business landscape was going to be very different on the other side of this, that there was going to have to be changes that we were going to have to adapt to an environment. Um, so we were already sort of in progress. Uh, we did the research everywhere we can. We, we, we read every single study, every single article, every news article, uh, every talking head on television, every politician, every executive order. We just we read it all um, because this this was our life now. Yeah. Um, and we needed to understand it. So um, six weeks in, we made the final decision. Frank and I looked at, looked at each other and said, you know, we're we're going to open. Um, because they're not going to open us. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to force this wide open. Um, and it was more so, we did so because less about our business and more about our constitutional rights. You know, this was, the business was the vessel. Um, and yes, we wanted to save our business and provide for our families and all that. But what, what was more important is that politicians do not have the right to to abuse our constitutional rights like this these people are are put in office to protect them and they weren't um and and ours here governor murphy admitted on public television excuse me on national public television Mm -hmm. that uh that he wasn't thinking about the bill of rights when he was doing his job and um to us that's very very concerning um again frank has five children and and he said it best he said if we don't do this, he said, I don't, I don't want my kids to grow up in the world that will become of it, like of this. And Frank's not a political guy. Um, you know, he says it best, uh, before all of this, he thought the, uh, the blue States were bordered by water. He's a leave me alone kind of guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so we made that decision and we made the promise to each other, just like we made when we first met. You know, we were going to be men of our word and, and we were going to see this all the way through. So uh, we announced publicly that we were going to open. Uh, that caught the attention of Tucker Carlson and the national media. Um, and we did so hoping that by announcing it, government would come to us and want to uh, discuss our safety protocol because we put that out there as well. Right. I put out a nine minute video discussing not only what we were doing, why we were doing, but how we were going to do it and how yeah. we were going to keep people safe because it was never about defiance. It was about offering offering a solution to a problem that had no solutions at the mm-hmm. time, um, and that's it. We uh, we opened on May eighteenth um, to a crowd of hundreds out in the parking lot. The national media, Pete Hegseth, was there, interviewed us. Um, it was a great day. We had people wrapped around the building waiting to come in. Um, we we just we nailed it. Um, Governor Murphy was not happy because the Belmar police stood down immediately. Um, and he threatened to furlough them for 60 days if they did not comply and punish us. He was going to bring the county department in instead. Um, and that, that, was the, that was the first shot. That was the, uh, the, the shot that started the war that we are now in. Yeah. Governor Murphy decided that he was going to weaponize a public organization against the public. Um, you know, the, the police uh, and all these other organizations that he uses are, are designed to protect and serve. You know, the police, it says it right on their vehicles. Uh, and he was using them to enforce his will, uh, even though that they knew that these measures are illegal. So we got our first round of citations. Did uh, you, we and I, and I don't want to, inter- I don't want to interrupt cause I love to, I love this and I want it cause I know it gets, and I know it gets even more severe Did you, <laughs> in the process of this. What's, what's t- funny is this is the short version. <laughs> dude, no, it's so, but like I, I do more people. I, I, People need to hear, they need to hear this. They need to hear this entire process. You, you say it so eloquently and this is, and this is brilliant. I don't want to interrupt that train of thought. My, I just immediately, cause I know I've had conversations with our local law enforcement and, and, you know, we have kind of our own, it's not the same version of and this. Don't, don't worry. You can, inter- I've told the story a thousand times so you can interrupt. You'll be all good. <laughs> yeah. That's, I have no doubt. Yeah. It's not like you're forgetting. Um, but are you having conversations with these guys as they're coming up on that? But I say these guys, the police who are there and being told that their job now is to enforce what is clearly unconstitutional, what is clearly a violation, right? I have had, and I'll never put anybody on blast, but I've had plenty of conversations with some of our local police, local sheriffs. Um, and I will, I will frame things as, okay, look, hypothetically, I'm going to do what I want to do anyways. So hypothetically speaking, are you going to be enforcing that, you know, and, and they're like, hypothetically, you do what you need to do. You're good. Like we're not enforcing. So I got to imagine some of these guys are going to be struggling internally with having to, to cite you for this. 
Um, you know, p- part of the reason that they they had to do what they had, what you know, they didn't have to do it. Um, yeah. But I I'll, I will never have beef with law enforcement officer for following his orders. I I can disagree with it, and I right. do. Um, but my beef is never with them. It's always with where the orders came from, yep. you know, because if I'm mad at them, then I'm missing the real problem, the yep. real problem. And these guys are put in really, really crappy positions because, sure. you know, I'll, I'll never, I'll never shame a man for, for doing, you know, whatever you got to slap the cuffs on me, whatever, because if I was 20 years into the force and I had a family and a pension, um, would I stick my neck out there? I, I personally would. But I'm, I'm, I'm not, I would never judge somebody for that because that's yep. a very hard position to be in. Yep. Um, and I do feel bad. I do feel bad that, they, that they're in that position where, you know, <laughs> what, what sucks for them is if they do what they're told, the people hate them. Yeah. And if they don't do what they're told, some other people will hate them anyway yeah. yep. and they'll probably lose their jobs. Right. You know what I mean? So it, it's tough. And especially in a place like New Jersey, you know what I mean? In some places, a lot of these officers, especially the commanding ones said, uh-uh, I'm not doing it. Um, and I, I have nothing but the utmost respect for them. That takes yeah. a lot of courage and that takes a lot of balls. Yeah. Um, but I, I can't have any beef with anybody who, who chose not to. For sure. For um, sure. Just like I won't, I don't have any beef with any business owner who didn't decide to open up when they, when I think they should have. Sure. Sure. Um, but yeah, you know, our, our gym is a local gym. It's, I mean, we got nothing but cops, firefighters, military, yeah. uh, you know, you name it, correctional officers in here. We're, we're a blue collar gym. We're, we're a little rough around the edges. Things are loud here. You know, we're, yep. we're middle America. Um, so our gym is filled with a lot of these same guys who are even no longer allowed in here because they work for the township police. Um, and there's cops that come from other you know townships where if they get caught here, you know, they, they get in trouble. Um, but a lot of them don't care. So it's a, it's a crappy position for them to be in. But I do my best to sympathize. Yeah. Um, so Tuesday rolled around. It was kind of the same thing. Uh, he changed his tactics in addition to hitting us with summons. Um, just to give you an idea, we have over 60, uh, criminal charges at this point between Frank and I wow. altogether, as of, as of like today. Um, so they, they just keep racking up. Keep racking I, I don't up. even have to tell that, tell that point about the story. And they're all, they're all weird ones, uh, violation of executive orders, public nuisance, um, endangering the public. I mean, they, it's, it's absurd. But what's, the, what's the fine total up to right now? As of this morning, three hundred nineteen thousand dollars, four hundred. Uh, hold on, right now. Three hundred nineteen thousand, um, three hundred and ninety-seven dollars and ninety-eight dollars and thirty-six cents. Clown show. I had to add. I had to add today to that. I had to add today on there. Yeah. Um, God, I hope um, they're looking at it like. So, jackpots above the of, above yeah, the we're, we're, slot machine at the casino <laughs> that it just keeps getting bigger but fucking, you're never gonna get that money it's never gonna happen yeah just keep it going yeah yeah dude um so tuesday he changed his tactics a little bit in addition to giving us summons he started to try to scare away our members by giving them citations uh one of our members actually got arrested that day we stayed open wednesday same thing they set a camera up in the parking lot because it was starting to look bad for them on the media um and they were following people out of the parking lot, pulling them over down the street and giving them the same citations. Uh, we got ours. Wednesday night in the middle of the night, Judith Persa Kelly of the New Jersey Health Department, who is also the woman who is um, almost solely responsible, uh, along with Governor Murphy, for putting COVID-positive patients into nursing homes. Um, she and, and Governor Murphy made that decision. And in New Jersey, we have 7,164 deaths in nursing homes because of the decisions that they made. Uh, that accounts for over 60% of the deaths in our state. Wow. Uh, just a little footnote. Yeah. Um, talking about personal accountability in this, yeah. which they have none. Uh, health department shut down. They slapped a sticker on our door in the middle of the night and said, you are shut. It basically said you are shut down because coronavirus. Um, abs- absolute disgrace of due process. They've never even called us, never stepped foot inside the building, never took take a look at our safety protocol or how we roll it out. Uh, so we ignored it. Um, and we opened again anyway, same thing, more fire or, uh, more, more summons. Um, and we did so on Friday as well. Friday, uh, late in the day, 
Um, we're talking about weaponizations of public offices. You have the police, the health department, and now number three, the court system. Uh, Governor Murphy went to a disgrace of a judge. And I say that hoping that he sees this video. Um, a, a total lapdog of a judge, a coward of a man uh, who enforced Governor Murphy's shutdown order, knowing how illegal it is. Um, and use the health department to do it. So he had a court order, and they changed the locks on our building in the middle of the night on Friday, locked us out of our private property. Um, so we were locked out for a couple of weeks. We got back inside because we do have another rock-bottom nutrition in here, and it's a uh, it's a, a, an essential store. So we got our doors back open, and at that point, um, what we did was we backed off for a little bit because we wanted to put our faith in the American system of checks and balances. Mm -hmm. So the executive branch has clearly been out of control. Um, so now it was in the hands of the judicial system. You know, we, uh, we had hoped that the judicial system would provide those checks and balances uh, and be fair in the judgment and respect the constitution. So until we had our fair day in court, we decided that we would drag 45,000 pounds worth of equipment outside every day, barbells, dumbbells, plates, um, plate loaded machines. We had like, um, pallet jacks, pulling stuff out every day into the parking lot. We were having 300 members show up every day in the heat in the middle of June to work out outside in the sun um, while we waited for our day in court and uh, never came. The, uh, the federal judge that it went to, which is Judge Kugler, um, which again, another disgrace on the judicial system, um, decided that he didn't want to rule on the case because it was too controversial. So he kicked it out of federal court using the excuse that, um, that we had criminal charges pending, um, knowing full well that those criminal charges would probably take up to a year to resolve, no, knowing full well. So I don't know about you, but if you show up to your job and decide you don't want to do it that day, you, you probably get fired, right? right. Um, but apparently... You know, when you're um, when you're a judge or you're a politician, you can decide when you want to work because that's that's exactly what this was. You know, and, and I, I say this example to a lot of people. If you didn't want to make controversial decisions, you should have been a grocery store clerk. That's right. Or a roofer or a yep. personal trainer. Yep. Any other job. You know, you signed up to be a judge. You should make those decisions whether you like it or right. not. Um, so and it, again, a huge disappointment. So. At that point, you know what? We had enough, uh, and it was July 4th. It was Independence Day, and we said, what better day to get arrested than Independence Day? So we right. opened up back inside. Um, we did not get arrested that day. We resumed operations back inside fully. And, um, and at this point, we had stopped wearing masks. We originally had masks mandated, but after we did our homework, um, the science is very clear that not only are they ineffective in general, because most people don't even wear true medical masks. They wear cloth face coverings, yep. um, which is, it's like putting up a chain link fence to stop a flood. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so at that point, that was the only thing that had changed. We resumed operations back inside. Um, and we did so for a while until we were found in contempt of court. Again, Governor Murphy gets in court whenever he wants to, but to date, we have not been heard um, by a single judge on our behalf, Frank, Frank and I have not spoken a word to a judge in all of this. Um, we just get, we just get like motions sent at us. Yeah. Um, so we, um, at that point they decided that they were going to start finding us $15,000 a day. That, that's when that began. Um, and that's also when they decided that they were going to come and change our locks again. Uh, so Frank and I made the decision that we were going to not ever allow anybody to lock our own doors again. Uh, we took the doors off of the hinges and we drove them away from the gym uh, and hid them in a nearby house. And we opened the gym 24 hours a day, seven days a week, um, while Frank and I were here every minute of every day, sleeping in shifts in the tanning bed. Um, and all this, uh, we, we haven't collected a penny from people since um, April 1st. And we did so as a form of protest. It's not about the money for us. It was about proving the point. Yeah. So we did that for a couple of days, about a week. Uh, and they came in the middle of the morning, like 5 a.m. and arrested us. They walked in the building unannounced, no knock, no warrant and arrested us. Um, when we returned, our doors were boarded up. So at that point, we took a couple of days off because this has just been exhausting. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like, like I said, Frank's got a family. You know, yeah. I got a girlfriend and she has a son at, at, at our home. And, 
you know, it, it's, we took a couple of days off to kind of recharge. Yeah. And uh, that weekend in front of the cameras and in front of our members and a couple of hundred supporters in the parking lot, uh, we did the 300 scene. Yes, you where did. We, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, where you we did. dramatically kicked the door down. Uh, and we, we did so um, because we wanted it to be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we could have easily got a chainsaw there uh, and just kind of hacked the door down or something. But uh, we wanted to highlight the absurdity in all of this um, because we're just trying to go to work. Yeah. We're just, yeah. we're just trying to live our lives. We're not harming anybody. Yeah. Uh, to date, we have 51,307, I think, visits to the facility. Uh, no masks and not a single uh, case of COVID has been reported. Nobody's so dying? We're not, Nobody's dying in the gym? Nobody's just laying nobody there dying, dying in the gym. Well, somebody, Nobody's dying. They are know? dying in the nursing homes, though. What do you know? Um, you so, um, Man. we resumed operations. We kicked that door down. Uh, we turned the lights on and turned the music on and, and went about our business as usual. Same thing, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We did that for about 30 days. Um, and then we were found in contempt of court again. And right before that, they were going to come this time and erect a steel barrier. Uh, we teamed up with Rick Maida, who is a Republican candidate for Senate mm. here in New Jersey, running against Cory Booker. Um, and we made, we designated this place as a, uh, a political volunteer location for his campaign um, and an information location. So according to the executive orders, all political events are exempt from coronavirus. Um, so we, uh, we declared that on national television and it stopped Murphy dead in his tracks. Yep. Um, and three days later, Governor Murphy opened the gyms, but not before he forced uh, the township of Belmar to strip us of our business license. Um, we, we were given notice that they were going to strip us of our business or there, that there was going to be a special hearing. Um, and that we were going to have our chance to, uh, you know, to state our case. Um, they did that knowing that we can't because we have an ongoing criminal investigation against us. And that would be self-incrimination violation of the, yeah. of the, of the fifth amendment of the constitution. If you're keeping track, we're at violation number six. Um, <laughs> I think I think we get up to seven in total, or seven different uh, parts of the Constitution. Um, so they stripped us of our business license. We were told exactly what the vote was going to be by an anonymous email, down to the people and how they were going to vote. Um, somebody from the township emailed us and said, this is not coming from Belmar. This is coming from Governor Murphy. This is political pressure coming downward from the Democrats. Um, and they, they spelled it all out for us. They, they said, it's going to be a five to one vote. Here's the only guy that's going to vote in your favor. Um, and he did. He voted in our favor and everybody else didn't even listen to a word that our lawyer said. They sat there and, and kind of looked at the papers with their heads hung in shame, mm-hmm. uh, knowing what they were doing was wrong, knowing what they're mm-hmm. doing is cowardly. And they did it anyway. Um, so then Governor Murphy opened the gyms. We've been open ever since. Uh, we were open since we, uh, since we kicked the door down. Right. Um, we run entirely off of donations in the meantime. We're, yeah. we're still being fined $15,000 a day uh, because we won't mandate masks. Yeah. Uh, Governor Murphy gave us the opportunity to mandate masks. Uh, and he would stop the fining. Mm-hmm. And we told him absolutely not. Um, and, and what's funny is he doesn't even mandate masks. He wants cloth face cups. So it's about fear, not about safety. hundred percent. Um, and that's where we're at right now. Now we're, now we're kind of in the boring part. It's, it's the legal stuff. It's, you know, it's super slow. Um, but that's, that's the short version. God bless you. So, I mean, I already, already, uh, had nothing but respect for you. I think I actually love you now too. Like dude, so much, so much good stuff. And I'm sitting here scribbling things down, man. And, and <laughs> I mean, just like so, so much good stuff. I mean, you're involved in, you're involved in what's obviously a political game at this point. And one of the things that's jumping out to me that I've got underlined like 300 times right here, so many cowards. I mean, that's, there's no better words. The word you're using, there's no better word. And these people in these positions of power, like you said, take a, take another job, take another job. If you're not going to stand up to it, you you should not have that position where you, ever get to make a decision if you're not willing to make the right decision you know we've got we've got 11 rules in our house man and and one of the rules at the very but actually number 11 is doing the right thing is always the right thing it doesn't matter who's on your side or not there's a right thing to do and you do that 
um, period. End of story. You pull the trigger on it, you know, and, and um, you've got so many people that are, I appreciate that you are doing that. It reminded me when you were telling the story of, I want to say it was MLK, um, but it was something to the effect of, uh, you know, disobeying uh, unjust laws. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, know, I know what you're talking about. You know can't, what I'm talking can't about. Put it into words, but I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. That it ends up it being becomes, it becomes your duty. Essentially, it becomes your duty exactly to to disobey unjust laws when that comes in. You know, and 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 Rogan always says, you know, let's not let's stop talking about stop talking about what's legal. Let's start talking about what's right. You know, and yeah. so, and that's it's simple and well put. Exactly, man. I mean, that's exactly it. And then another, you know, a lot of what I heard in there too was um, even from the get go which I, which I appreciate is personal responsibility on all this too, you know, even from the get go. And in your lowest of lows, man, you're like, look, this is what I did to myself. And I put myself there. Um, and so that started, you know, that started the, the trajectory of everything, but you, you own every single step of the way you own the good, you own the bad. And, and I think that's what, um, I think that's what a man does. And I, and I think we see far too little, uh, of that man, so so appreciative of that, dude. That's a big deal. Yeah. Holy cow! It's, it's 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 become a cultural thing to shirk off yeah. of responsibility at this point, and especially dude. especially for for young men. You yeah, know, it's well, nothing. Man. Nothing's ever your fault. Nothing's ever your fault, dude. And then culturally, we put you know we were talking about this a little bit before we started, but like culturally too, we put this victimhood mentality. We put that on a pedestal. We put fear is the new that's the new virtue, right? I mean, that's why so many people are jumping on board with all this kind of stuff. It doesn't matter what the science is. I'm being told to do this. We're doing it for the greater good. You know, we live in this perpetual fear, and that's now a virtue. So if anybody is saying, "Mm, I don't think this quite adds up. Well, you're going against their virtue. You know what they have decided is part of their core beliefs, man. And and um, so we got far too many people following, you know, following that train, man. It's a scary spot. Scary spot. It is. It is. It's, it's very alarming, and it's something that I think has been sort of um, put into motion for a long time. Yep. Yeah. You know, I think that there's been a an undermining of um, kind of like the structure you, you're talking about in your home. Yep. You know, I, I don't, I don't know you that well, but from the conversations yep. that we've had, you know, you, you, we're missing that strong father figure that, Bingo. um, and Bingo. even, even not, not necessarily just strong father figure. You know, I tend to focus when, when I think about problems, uh, in society, I tend to think about the men, yeah. um, because I, I think that it's, it, it's, it's a man's responsibility. I don't think I know that it is a man's responsibility to protect his family first, his community yep. second and his country third, you yep. know, and, and what we're seeing is complacency among men yeah. where we don't have uh, enough of a support system amongst each other, yeah. you know, supporting each other as, as men that, that important male bond has started to weaken and weaken and weaken to where it's um, even the male bonds that we have. A lot of us, they're, uh, they're diluted and they're yeah. meaningless. Yep. You know, male bond, male bonding is sitting around watching football all Sunday. Right. You know what I mean? And I, I'm guilty of that in, in my younger years. You know, but that doesn't develop any true bonds with other men. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and we're missing that bond. I, me personally, you know, I yeah. don't have that bond with my father. Yeah, I, I never had that. I had to learn that myself. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, I, I think a lot of this falls on us. Yeah. You know, and it's our kids are growing up and they're being taught in these educational systems yep. that are extremely biased towards this victim mentality. Um, and they're being influenced by an entertainment industry that says the same. And they're being influenced by a generation of music that says the same. Yeah. They're, they're watching movies that say the same. They're, yeah. And it, it's coming from every angle. And it's, yeah. I think it's something that has been slipped in over a long period of time. You're right, dude. It's and very, very intentionally, very, very intentionally. And obviously yeah. I can speak from the education, you know, I've been in education forever and I know it inside and out. And it has been something that has intentionally been put in. Uh, we've intentionally, especially on the, on the masculinity side. I mean, there has been, even from the teachers union side for literally 50 years, there's been an agenda to uh, downgrade the importance of having dads in the home. Right. And what that means, there's been this, uh, kind of war against young men where we set up a system specifically to dumb down everybody, but really to castrate our young boys, do it at an early age. And if you show any sign of, oh, I might be outside of that, I might, 
uh, you know what, let's, let's, what can we put that ADHD or what do we need? You know, what we need to do is we need to medicate this kid. He's five. We need to do it now. Right. We need to make this docile little human being. Right. And, and what we've created is not docile men in a good way. It is compliant boys that are just older. There's a difference between a, a, a man who um, is not aggressive and, and who, carries himself well and is respectful and, and virtuous. Right. Um, and, and, and if you mean it like that in terms of like being docile, like not right. being this threat to society, but right. we've created a generation of men who can't, who can't protect their society. Right. Um, because they're, they're docile and they're complacent right. and they're, um, they don't even, know, they don't even understand. I, I think, I think the biggest thing is we, we've, we've been tricked into not understanding our own power yeah. as men. Yeah. Oh, and it's dude. been it's been villainized, you know. That's like, it. It's not even not understanding the power. I, it's that that's been, been made to be a bad thing. Yes, yeah, it's and it's, toxic. It, it has been. It has been, and it's like it, it's funny because I, I get I get it a lot, um, which is funny because I like I didn't I didn't grow up to be like I didn't grow up being like some tough guy yeah. sign of masculinity. Like I was a docile little boy, mm-hmm. um, and now I get I get like hatred all the time, like. Right because of the way I look because right. it's outside the box. You right. know what I mean? Cause it's like, Oh, this guy with a beard, what does he think? He's a, what does he think? He's a man. Like, what does he think? He's yeah. a warrior. Right, and it's right. like, no, but I also understand my capacity for violence. Yeah. Um, and I don't hide that, yeah. you know, and I, I've been reading, I've been influenced a lot by an author named Jack Donovan. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Fantastic. <laughs> fantastic writing, just yeah. fantastic stuff. And I, like, I, I've, I, I turned, I got turned on to him a couple months ago and I've, I've read everything he's written twice. Yeah. Um, and I, I think he's just got a great point where, where he talks about, you know, we need to stop. And you said it where these docile boys, where it's like, Oh, he's too hyper or, Oh my God. Oh my God. They're fighting. Tell yeah. them how bad it is. It's like, no, let these boys be boys. Like yeah. stop, stop saying like, stop making boys will be boys a bad thing. Stop stop highlighting like rape as like the only thing men are capable of. And yeah. like, it's this yeah. villainization of masculine qualities, you know, and yeah. it starts with violence as one of them. Like yeah. that's, that's who we are. We're meant to have that capacity at least. The it's capa- not, we're not, that's it. We're not man. meant, we're not meant to be like it, it, violence isn't a virtue, but the capacity for it is. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I picked up from, from, from Jack's writings where yep. it's like, that is profound right. because now you have a man who can't be pushed around. Right. And there's a difference. And there's, there's a difference. There's a big difference. There's a huge difference, man. And I know Jordan Peterson talks about it quite a bit. Nietzsche would pontificate on it too. And it's about the, you know, can you, can you really even call a man a good man? Can he be a morally good person if he doesn't have the capacity for violence? Cause then you're talking about, right. He doesn't have to, he just can't, he just doesn't have that capacity. Then he's not making a choice. Right. But a good man actually has the capacity to do it. And then just chooses not to, he chooses to be honorable, right. He can do it if he needs to, but he chooses not to. And that's a vastly different thing, man. Jack is a great, so we've had Jack on the podcast. He's a great dude. We were just, we were literally just talking about him when, uh, when you were connecting to sound. Uh, I think, I think his, his writings, I know, I know yeah. he wrote, uh, the way of men in like 2002 or something yeah. like that. Still so relevant, but more relevant. They're, maybe. they're even more relevant yeah. now. You know I mean? Yep. It's like, I I've, I've literally, I sent out copies of the book to people. Yeah. Like, yeah. As, as, and I've, I've never done that. Be like, Hey, here's a gift. Yeah. And I'm got to read this. And, but I, I, I'm reading this stuff and I'm saying like, it's very simple but it's, it's, it's complex at the same time. And we're, yeah. we're not teaching our men these kind of things. We're yeah. not teaching our boys these kind of things. And you, know, you said it perfectly, you know, being a good man has to be a choice. Yeah, that's right. You can't be a good man just because you're a pushover and you're going along with the flow. You have to be a good man because you have the capacity not to be. That's right. Uh, and you're making the choice. You're making the decision. Your own. That's right. But and if- you're, you're understanding your power and you're using it for something good. Exactly. You're using it to protect, protect your family, protect, protect your community. And protect that's right. Family. And when it gets to that point of protection, the good man who has that capacity will then embrace it, right? He will embrace the exactly. violence at that point because it's part exactly. of, I mean, it's it's an inherent part of who we are. So he will embrace it, do what he needs to do for that protection piece. We've been tricked into thinking that the providing piece is the only manhood piece. Yes, that is on the list, but that protection, that protection is higher. 
right? That's that a protection. protection it, it, I mean, that the, is it. That's where well, it starts. That's the foundation of it. It is. I mean, and that's and, the whole thing. I mean, in, in, in the way of man, Jack describes yeah. it just beautifully. You know, the, the, the first thing before, before any of, of, of all of our society is possible mm-hmm. is protection of the boundaries yep. between us and them. Right. You know, because you can, you can pretend like, like, uh, like we live in some world that's, you know, all hippy dippy and peaceful. But at the end of the day, that's your, if, if that's your, if that's the way you see the world and you're going to operate like that, you're going to get run over. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know it. I and mean? again, God, man. And it's just so, and it's not, it, that's not toxic. That's not a hyper masculinity, toxic sort of thing. That is just establishing boundaries. It's the truth. And it's establishing boundaries to keep things safe. You know, it's funny because we started out talking about, um, you know, 300 and Leonidas and Sparta and all this. And I remember reading as I was reading about Spartan culture years ago, I remember reading, uh, something about, I don't remember which King it was, Alexander. I don't, I don't know. I don't, some King that was going to come through Sparta and sent a letter ahead of time and said, look, I want to know what your culture is all about. I've heard many stories. I'm sure you've heard many stories of how great I am and, and you know, how great my warriors are, my army. So as I come through your land, do I need to come through as a friend or as a foe? And all the Spartan, I think it was Leonidas, all he wrote back was neither. And I love that. It was like, look, we're not going to be buddy, buddy, but you're also not going to trample on me. You have yours. I have ours. So if you're passing through, you're just passing through. There's not going to be any interaction because otherwise it's not going to go, you know, I mean, that's a healthy it's a healthy boundary. It's not a bad deal. We need more men that are willing to step up with that. Jack does a beautiful job of laying that out. His book, um, The Way of Men, is one of the required readings for so the program that, that Timmy and I are working on is called Apogee. That is, that is uh, awesome. That dude, is and awesome. that's one. So it's a 12-month virtual program until we can get to our, our physical campus. And that is one of the that is one of the books. Mickler, you know, I know you've gotten to talk to Ryan too. Um, yeah, sovereignty yeah. is sovereignty is in there too. And we just got some of these good dudes um that that are leading by example anybody else that you're kind of following and thinking is kind of putting some some good things out there by example anybody else you know anybody that you're uh, well of? i picked i picked up on jack donovan um from um my chats with uh sean whalen who i think yeah, is a good dude too yeah um i think he's an awesome example especially for somebody like me yeah um somebody who has made mistakes who has not had this well kind of um well organized path through life he's right. made his way because he's 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 smart enough to learn from his own bs yeah um and and again that goes to that that personal accountability and personal you know per, taking individual right. responsibility for for your own shit yeah. whether or not it, it's something that you caused or something that happened to you you still you're still responsible for it um and i i just i love the message he puts out you know, I've learned a lot from him yeah. in, in, in just kind of knowing him through this, you know, mm-hmm. I, I met him through, through this nonsense. He was yep. one of the people that reached out. Um, another big one is Andy Frisella, uh, yeah. at first form. Andy, yep. I, I've, I've had the blessing of getting close with Andy and having him again, a guy who's a couple years older than me, yep. same thing, hasn't really lived this easy life and, and, and made it anyway and made yeah. it to a place where, he has a very good life. You know, him and Sean are, are, are two, I think, of modern examples of, of, of what yeah. we should be looking towards as far as teaching our, our boys how to be men. Couple you know, because I, I learn from that. I learn from both of them every day. Yep. I talk with Andy pretty much every day. Yeah. Um, and and I, I, I always walk away from the conversation you know, knowing something more. Ready to go. Um, yeah. A lot of, lot of wisdom that, a lot of wisdom that comes out there. Obviously his, you know, 75 hard took off. We, we led, uh, I led a bunch of my high school boys through that program, uh, last year. We all kind of, we had like seven, eight boys that were, that were on that here at the high school. And then that's one of the challenges that's also included in, in the Apogee program that we're launching out yeah. just because. And there's, there, there's, there's a lot of people like them. I, I think, I think you're yeah. starting to see an awakening of men who, are good men who are in positions where they, where they have some sort of power, whether it's a platform, yeah. uh, whether it's whatever it is, they have the ability to get their voices heard. Yep. And I think you're starting to see more of it Yeah, because I, I really do think that we're approaching a critical point yep. um, in our society where if, if we don't, and I, I had this conversation with Andy, you know, and, and we've been talking about these ideas 
Um, you know, we talk about more than the gym, just society as a whole. And we're reaching a point where if, if we don't have enough men step up now, it's going to be, it's going to be irreversible. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. we're going to, we're going to slip further into this, this place that we don't, we don't want to be. So and true, I think, man. I think most people know that, but they don't quite understand it. And, but you're, you're seeing people emerge with strong voices who are not being quiet anymore because yeah. they know deep down inside that, Hey, if I don't speak up, you know, like, yeah. And then Andy said it to me the one day, you know, he, we were talking about just the gym and he's, he's been instrumental in keeping me going in, in more ways than one. Um, but, uh, he said, he was like, you know, he was talking about, um, he said, you know, I, I, I've watched what has happened to you. And he's like, coronavirus hasn't really changed anything for me. You know, business is still good. You know, whatever. I still, you know, I, I'm, I'm not feeling it yet. Other than yeah. like, you know, the, the maybe having to slap a mask on or whatever. But like, yeah. it's like I'm watching you with the boot on your neck, and I'm not dumb enough to think that I'm not next. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's somebody who's now sticking their neck out and 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 speaking up, even though life's good for him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's okay. He's not in any like danger right away. And I, right. I just, I, I think that collectively men who have some power are, are all at once kind of starting in their own way. I said to Andy, I said, there's a lot of good guys out there. Yeah. We're just, we're all spread out. Yep. And, and people are now just kind of starting to wake up and, and looking around at the, and I think coronavirus was, was like a catalyst for it. Yeah. In a lot of ways too. I think it was um, too. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a yeah. beautiful thing. Cause you're, yeah. you're watching tables start to turn. I think. Yeah. Yeah, you are. And it's something that's been needed for a long time because there are guys that are leading by example, you know, but like you said, yeah. they're all, we're spread out. It's too, it's few. And, and they don't get enough credit. And you there's know, not enough credit. If, on if they don't speak up yep. themselves, yep. we know, we know for sure that the media won't highlight them. Oh, not at you all. Know, we know sure that the educational system won't talk about them. That's now. right. That's right. You know, like in the educational system, does anybody talk about, you know, we hear about a couple entrepreneurs, but are, are they, are these good men? We hear about, you know, Steve Jobs and this and that, but where, where are we being taught about guys like him, you right. know, or other guys, you know, he's not the only one. He, he's my most common example because he's closest yeah. to me, but why are we not learning about these guys who have built empires from nothing and have not changed as they've accumulated power and only become better people? That's right. You know, not, not Jeff Bezos. What has Jeff Bezos done for the world? That's right. Other than create a fortune for himself. Yeah. Made it easier to sit on your ass and, and, and get stuff at your house. Like, yeah, that's cool. But what kind of man is he? We don't learn that. We just learn about his fortune. That's right. You know what I mean? And that's, I think, I think that's important to start highlighting that. And I, I, I love what, what it, you're doing man. with these younger guys because Thanks, that's, man. that's, that's where it counts. That's exactly where it counts, man. No, oh, man. So appreciative of that. Yeah. That's it, man. It's these guys that are leading by example. It's funny. And we're not, I mean, we haven't on the, on the, uh, on the school campuses side, we told, we told the County same kind of thing. We've got a gov, you know, governor Newsom uh, falls right in line with your, your friend out there in Jersey. Um, you know, bunch of bunch of clowns um and so we 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 told them no thank you and so we've been you know we've opened full we're open full time we got no masks we're not pointing some, the, that, you man. know pointing the gun at the kids heads as they walk in to take their temperatures we're like man it's about personal responsibility if you feel sick stay home by the way that's how it always was so just do novel that. concept right yeah really really <laughs> rough right rough way to think about it so you know we've been kind of we've been doing that from uh been doing that from the get-go and you know we're putting out putting out some some episodes and we're getting our shadow bands we've had stuff with you know, our most recent episodes were like Prager and, and Dave Rubin and um, some of these guys. So, of course, we're getting, you know, our stuff doesn't get shown and we get banned. We did the No Safe Spaces stuff. We got censored. Facebook wouldn't allow us to post anything. And, um, you know, I mean, that's the world we're living in, dude. But whatever. That's small peanuts, man. But you guys, yeah. are, um, you guys are taking a bigger boot on the neck. But, um, you know, I like to think that all of these guys that we're talking about would do would do the same and uh, obviously want to support you in that, too. So what's the best way? How what is the best way to support? you as you move forward i have no doubt we're going to continue um you know this conversation especially as we build out some of this other stuff i mean i know Timmy yeah. is is on that too i mean you you a great part of we want to keep hearing your voice um but what can we do to support you right now um so i always like to preface this when people ask um that support primarily comes um just from the sharing of yeah. our story 
Yeah. Um, we, we've received a lot of financial support. Um, we always could use more, sure. but a, a lot of people say like, Oh, you know, I, I wish I could help, you know, but I can't donate. And it's like, that's not, that's, that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is keeping this story relevant yeah. so that people keep thinking about it and keep talking about it. Um, so following along on social media and just sharing the story, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter if you have 10 followers or, or 10 million. Yep. Um, because that's, that's how we got to where we got to. And, and, you know, I, I always throw credit to Andy and, and all these other guys, yeah. you know, Mark Bell being one of them. I know yep. he shared the story, something like that, where, where people share and it just explodes. Yeah. Um, and each person that shares it, whether they're 10 followers or 10 million, um, that puts it in the face of somebody else. And that opens up that network of people and everybody they know. So it's incredibly powerful just to follow along and share the story. I try to post as many updates as I can. Um, and that's, I'm primarily on Instagram and that's Ian Smith fitness. Um, I'm also on Facebook and that's Ian Andrew. Uh, both have a picture of my ugly mug on there. So you can make sure you're on the right one. Um, and in, in the Instagram, there is a, a, a link tree and that's got a link to our GoFundMe, um, which governor Murphy thinks is his personal, um, you know, just whatever <laughs> he thinks, yeah. he thinks that's where his fines should come from. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll see about that. Um, so the link to GoFundMe is on there and then the link to our website, uh, the that has merchandise. We have sold thousands and thousands Good. of shirts and hats and stuff like that. And that's really how we've been able to pay our bills yeah. and also pay our legal bills as well. So that's been, it's been awesome. We had no idea. We actually just caught up on all of our orders because we, uh, we opened the site and got about 2,500 orders in a period like of that. three weeks or so. And that's we were, right. we yeah. were not prepared to run an apparel company, but we yeah. were there and we're a little caught up now. Um, so that's, that's the ways you can help. And like I said, just, uh, just stay tuned and follow the story. You know, we, uh, we're prepared to go 12 rounds. Um, it's late in the fight, but we have no idea what round it is. You know, we're punch drunk, but we're, we're on our feet. And anyway. Round 12 is the knockout punch. It's the Rocky story where the underdog wins. Yep. That's how these things go. They try to beat you every step of the way. So we're determined to, to stay in it. Um, and we appreciate support in all of its forms. So cool, man. So thankful for you, brother. I mean, really, really. Absolutely. Thank you. Be- Thank you so much. I mean, it's, it's good to have these conversations and I'm, I'm always happy to be a part of them because I think, I think they're of the utmost importance. I agree, man. We do what we're going to do our best share as much as we can, as far and wide as we can. And I know it's not the, uh, the end of this conversation here too, man. So good stuff. Awesome. Thanks so much crazy story man such a good dude so much fun to talk to so um you know you heard it there from him continue to share his story so ian smith fitness is where you can go to follow him and find out more uh, and see what he's up to so please feel free to share feel free to share uh, any episode of the essential 11 and we absolutely thank you for doing so we will catch you guys next time